of Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the State of My Sports. That's right, this is State of My Sports, and this is episode 175. We're recording live tonight here on September 27th, 2022. Once again, we have a football-packed episode, breaking down the Lions' loss, Michigan State's loss, Michigan's win, and kind of looking ahead to to all three of their schedules and seeing how the the season's going to kind of play out. I mean, this is what we do right now. It's football season. We're in the midst of it, Um, so we're going to keep on going on with that. Um, In our Betting Hero um, segment, we will do our picks against the spread, and of course, we're going to rate and review a, a a Michigan beer. You know, that's how, that's how we roll. So, I'm Sam Waldart. With me today, we got Micah Smith. What's up? John Dornboss. We're all... Hello. We're all here, ready ready to drink some beer and talk. I mean, man, the Lions, is, that's going to be a tough one for me. It is. I think it's just going to be the way, what it oh. is, though, right? That was such a tough loss, but um, we'll get into that. Uh, if you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know what you're sipping on tonight and uh, be part of the conversation. Let you know you, Let us know your opinion. On all the topics, we'll try to read every comment and, and respond to them as well. Before we jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is the official brewery state of my sports, and bettinghero.com helps us and you get the best promotions available in the sports betting world. I already introduced you guys out of order. I don't know what I'm doing, but um, how, how are you? have you guys been? Good week? Mike, you, yeah. were, gone, you were gone last week, right? I was gone last week, yeah. Yeah, but you're yep. back. What were you I'm up to back. last week? What's going on? Lots of life stuff. Yeah. School. School's keeping me busy. Um, coaching Max's hockey now, so that's taking a lot of my time as well. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of life happening right now. So yeah. uh, busy, busy, but uh, happy to be back. Yeah, do you happen to know when, when Max's first game is? Not yet. Not They're yet. having a manager's meeting Saturday, so okay. – we got the tournament schedule. We just need to, we need the forty some odd games. Forty so. games, man. It, that's a lot. That's a lot of hockey. <laughs> that's a lot, <laughs> man. That's a long season. Yeah, it yeah. is. So it's basically what October till March is how how it rolls. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Crazy John, how about you, man? How, having a good week? So far. So far, so good. Coming off a, a pretty decent weekend. Yeah. What'd uh, you do? I got into a four man scramble on Saturday okay. out at the Falls of Barber Creek, Kent City area. Um, yeah, you can chalk that one up as a W. As a w, huh? Came in uh, first place. We shot 16 under. Dude. Uh, it was cold, windy, rainy, kind of nasty, yeah. fall golf. Um, there were a few people there in shorts. I couldn't really? believe it. Yeah. So I knew, so I knew they, they weren't, huh? yeah, I knew they weren't going to compete, but <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a fun day. Hit some really long drives, made a couple of real clutch putts and, uh, yeah. yeah, the team was happy to have me be there as their fourth, hitting <laughs> last you, every time. Who so. were you golfing with? Any friends, or was it just uh, like coworkers, or what? A couple guys I used to work with back in the day. Um, one of them still works there, but um, yeah, it's just a, a fundraiser put on by 
uh, Sparta. Oh, okay. Um, some of the money goes to one of the programs at Sparta. Anyway, nice. uh, yeah, it was a good time. Good. We we played really well, and yeah, it I was, mean, you uh, get the W. That's gotta feel good. Yeah, when you walk out of there with a little cash in hand, it yeah. always makes for a nice day. Not third um, place getting no no championship. Yeah, money well, <laughs> it was kind of funny too, because like second place team came in, and then uh, we were one of the first teams done. Um, they had like a live scoreboard in the okay. kind of in the uh, commons area where they had the little luncheon afterwards, and it's like, man, we're really up there. Like the next closest team was like nine under. Oh like, wow! So we're killing everybody today. Nice. Last two teams come in. Somebody's tied for first with sixteen under, and then there was another team that shot like fourteen under. I was oh, like, you got to be geez. kidding me! Like they found out our score. Yeah, and start. So we ate, and then they started doing raffle prizes and stuff. And then it came down to the payout, and as I looked up at the board, and like the second place team score changed from sixteen to fifteen. Oh boy! So I don't think they're cheat trying to pull a fast one. Yeah, so I was like, "What? That's kind of weird." But uh, I didn't really say too much because we were still, uh, you know, up there at the top of the board, and yeah, we won one of two skins on the day, so it was a a really nice payday. Yeah, Yeah, walked out of there with. Win any other drawings or anything? No, I didn't get in on any. I was just purely there to golf. Um, they were uh, raffling off a. I don't know, there was like a golf bag and then one of those golf watches that has like all the courses. I had no idea they had watches these days. That yeah. All the golf stuff on it. It's like, I don't know if it's made by Apple, but it's like an Apple watch, but yeah. it's like a golf watch. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. And it basically tells you your distance like right there. Yeah. It's got all the courses preloaded. And, Jeez. You, know, you, <laughs> you set the setting on based on like where the pin is in the green and it'll okay. give you the yardage and... I don't know, but those were like five dollar raffle tickets. And I was to get like, to get one of those, yeah. And I was like, Nah, I'm good. How many of those did they give away? Just one. There was just the one. Yeah, wow. they were selling tickets on one of the par threes. Uh, pretty tough hole. Wind was in your face. Uh, you had to hit over the water. Big rock wall in front of it. Jeez. And the guy that was selling the raffle tickets, he's like, There hasn't been a birdie on this hole all day. Like this is a tough hole. It's playing tough. Like two pars all day. Um, and my buddy Tony hit one pretty close. Like back just over the pin like back edge of the green mine was kind of center of the green to the left long putt so we went with his yeah and i ended up making that one it was oh. a big a big bender you know right to left down the hill towards the water yeah. center of the cup and you basically uh, knew right there you're getting a, a skin the whole course knew i got a skin yeah i, I let loose <laughs> on that one man i i yelled out a big couple words that we probably can't say on air <laughs> and uh yeah the guy that he he watched us make the putt. He come driving down in a golf cart. He was like, man, that was the best thing I've seen all day. Like, that was <laughs> a nice sweet. putt. I was like, hey, thanks. So, yeah, it was cool to walk away with a little cash. It was yeah, a good time. Yeah. That's sweet. Golf, I mean, golf season's almost done. It's coming to an end. Yeah. Um, I got asked to play in a scramble on the 22nd of October, okay. a couple of weeks now, but we'll see what that's all about. And yeah. it's going to be a cold weather outing. Like, they're going to have everything set up that way. And then waiting to hear back on the huge show, um, posted oh. something. You commented on his like little post or whatever, and he's drawn okay. three names to play out at Thornapple. Oh, I think uh, next Saturday. That'd so. be cool if you can get a, get that one. It'd be yeah, I think it'd be pretty funny to get out there on the course with him. Yeah, uh, haven't seen that guy in a long time, but yeah. it'd be a good time. So no, that'd be cool. Maybe get him on the on the show. Bill. Yeah, maybe right. What My huge opinion. <laughs> yeah, he'd probably <laughs> kick us off our own show. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, let's let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. So, uh, Micah, uh, Carrie was out in Whitehall, I'm assuming, based on what she picked up for. She picked us up a couple yeah. Fetch Brewing Company um, beers here. We got some Crowlers. So, real quick, I wanted to give a little information about what, what they do. So, I didn't, I couldn't find, like, a ton of information. But basically, um, they're obviously in Whitehall, Michigan. It's 1000 West Colby Street. Um, where's Whitehall? Do you guys know? 
Just north of Muskegon. Yep. Oh, yep. Right. that makes sense. Um, they did just come out with their fall hours. So um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, they're open from 2 to 9, Thursday 2 to 10, and then Friday and Saturday from 12 to 11, and then on Sunday from 12 to 9. So, man, they, they're open every day, which is pretty rare for breweries, so they must be doing pretty well where they're at. Or day. Yeah, so good for, good for them. Um, this is our first time drinking a, a Fetch Brewing Company beer. Um, at least that I know of. I couldn't find anything on our, on our Instagram relating it to it. Um, but, man, I just love finding new beers and trying new new breweries. So It's good stuff. Yeah, so what, what are we starting off with? We got two different flavors here, but what, what are we drinking right now? So we're starting off with Jinkies. Uh, that's a – oh, gosh, I got swagger up. I almost mixed that one up. Jinkies is a New England – New England. Can we say New England? Because it's mixed with the hazy. New England with a hazy. Right. So we did, oh, we just it's a got New a comment. England Sorry, hazy. We got a comment from Justin Welker. He said it's a Garmin watch with GPS on it. So he's he's heard of it. A Garmin. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, maybe the, the old guy in the tee box. I mean, he was talking all sorts of nonsense before yeah. we teed off. But yeah. 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 Real nice. That uh, makes sense. They're, they're into the GPS GPS. Game. Yeah. I yeah. know Justin's a, a big golfer. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I should have bought a ticket. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I got my yardages <laughs> dialed in, let me tell yeah, you. right. All right, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, all good. So Jinkies is apparently their flagship beer. It's their New England Hazy IPA. It's a blood orange hazy IPA. So 6.3 percenter, 50 IBUs, and it's got basically a 3.84. So, I mean, pretty much a 4.0 out of 5 on untapped right now. Okay. 431 votes. And it's six percent. Yep, six point three. That's a good beer. It's good. That one's I really re- good. <laughs> I like how crisp, it crisps, crispest one is. I really do. Do you want me to introduce the other one yeah, right now yeah, or later? Yeah, yeah, let's introduce it and then we can uh, just give them both grades at the end. So Perfect. Write down your guys' grade once you once you yeah. have it. And then so, yeah. the swagger, their swagger is the imperial double. So twenty pounds of hops and over a hundred plus IBUs makes up this medium-bodied beer that is easy enough to drink at 8% alcohol. Oh, boy. 8%. I'm looking forward to that. I yeah. Mean, I think I might need that today. That one's also right around a 4 out of 5 on untapped. Man, so they get some good good scores on untapped. Yeah. That's always solid. Yeah. Um, man, so far, this one, real tasty. And uh, it looked like Carrie had a great time at Fetch. It looks like a really cool tap room, so we should try and go up there sometime. I just wrote down my grade. Already? Before I forget. Because well. <laughs> if we're going to start drinking other stuff, yeah, you never, sure. I kind of forget and just kind of throw out a gas, you know? It's up there. So, it is. This, this is a good beer. I love the flavor of this beer. Not the outro. We're not leaving yet. We're not done. We're not done. Sorry. I know you guys would like to be. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. We got a Detroit Lions loss to talk about. Um, back and forth game against the Vikings. They ended up losing 28 to 24, uh, with the Vikings outscoring the Lions 14 nothing in the fourth quarter, which included a Madison touchdown with 7:55 left, and Osborne getting a 28-yard touchdown catch with 50 seconds left to go up four. Goff and the Lions offense got got to midfield, but Goff tossed tossed one up. Uh, late um, to the Vikings five uh, to end the game with that interception, which which really sucked. Um, outside of the interception, Golf played a very clean game, going 25 of 41 for 277 yards 
and a touchdown to TJ Hawkinson. Josh Reynolds uh, led the receivers with six catches for 96 yards. A hobbled St. Brown had six catches for 73. Uh, Chark, I would say that this was probably one of his best games so far as a line with three catches and 46 yards. Um, but really with Swift's ankle injury um, that he was going through, that was uh, disappointing. Um, but what, what did he have? He had seven carries for 31 yards, uh, but Jamal Williams stepped up with 87 yards on 20 carries and two touchdowns for a 4.4 average uh, and 15-yard long um, an additional t- seven, 20 yards on two catches. Um, real quick, just then we'll get into the nitty-gritty if you guys are cool with that. Just want to finish up some some house cleaning here. Um, Lions took a 14 nothing lead uh, before giving up 14 straight points heading into halftime. Then they outscored the Vikings 10 to nothing in the third quarter before getting shut out in the fourth and allowing 14 unanswered points. And look, it, that's I, disappointing. I don't want to. I don't know how we can talk about this, so I'm gonna just gonna. I'm, it's just frustrating. Do what you want to do. I, I don't know what I want to do. That's that's the hard part with this game. John, did you end up sitting? Were you watching this game? I watched the first half. Yeah. Oh, so you you made I mi- out. I miss you made out okay then. Yeah, and then I kind of paid attention on the gamecast on my phone, but I had a couple errands I had to run in the afternoon, so yeah. I didn't get to watch the game. Listen to some of it on the radio. Um, super unfortunate, man. That yeah. was a that was a big a big potential win. Uh, in their hands, mm-hmm. and sounds like it came down to a couple uh, mistakes late in the game. Yeah, um, I'll let you elaborate more on that. Well, I think let's start with with, with the positive side, and I, I really think we got to talk about the offense. I think they just they look so dialed in. I think Goff is playing some very very good football. Yeah, he's not putting up three fifty four touchdowns, even though he did I think last week or a couple weeks ago. But he's leading this office very very well, and. They're still putting up a ton of points. I think they're third or fourth in offensive scoring in the, in the league right now. Yeah. And I feel like he's still leaving some throws out there. He's missing players. We're getting drops. We're making those little mistakes that can make this offense even better um, on paper. And is, is if this offense is going to keep doing what it's doing, I'm convinced that they're going to be in every single one of these football games outside of maybe the Packers and, and like the Bills at this point. I'm very confident in, in what this offense is doing. And then on the, the other side, it's just like – the, the defense is doing the, the exact opposite and, and just continues to disappoint, especially in the clutch. I mean, how many penalties did Warrior have? I think it was five. Um, and just the, the last touchdown with the, with the broken play, uh, like just miscommunication, just wide open. Left the guy wide open, and that just can't happen. And it seems like to continue, it seems to continue to happen. They did it against the Ravens last year. They did it against the, the uh, Vikings uh, last year. Uh, it's just like it, it, as soon as – Pressure is getting put on; they fold, and that's what needs to be fixed more more than anything, in my opinion. Um, but there was also just some some questionable calls and and just, I mean, decisions yeah. again. And I I I love what I love uh, Dan Campbell as a coach. I do. I I think he's the real deal. Um, he he says the right things. I think he's got this team going in the right direction. But he continues to make those questionable calls that you you wonder if he has the brain for if he can do that if he's is he going to learn because it right now three three games in it looks like he hasn't because he continues to make questionable calls um real quick i didn't want to bring up that they were three of 16 on third down 
um, which is not good. But four of six on fourth down is. And the, and I think that's where we got to focus here is the fourth down play because you had crucial drives and crucial decisions. Um, so I'm going to do some some reading here. Um, with 7-10 left on the clock, leading 24-21. to They had a nice 10-play drive, 4 minutes 15 seconds off the clock. Um, with 34 rushing yards and 9 passing yards. On the Minnesota 30-yard line, 4th and 1, they handed the ball off to Jamal Williams, uh, but he missed the hole, the hole that was available, and, and really he was stopped short. So they turned it over on downs. Now, I'm not second-guessing this call, but I think we got to keep it in mind here when we get down to later in the game, which I'm going to bring up right now. They're passing on a 47-yard field goal to go up 6. Again, I think it's the right call. But... We move on to the game. Same score, 232 left The Minnesota on the Minnesota 36-yard line where Campbell elected to kick a 54-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and four with a minute 14 left. That's where I'm just like, okay, if you're willing to pass up the, what was the first one, 47-yard field goal to kick a 54-yard field goal, it seems like you're not being consistent. And he's going for it on fourth down. He went for it on fourth down six times. Yeah, Love that aggressiveness. And he did early in the game, too. Yeah. And it set the tone. It set the tone for the first half, yes. maybe the first quarter. And, and, and right now, that's my biggest question about with Dan Campbell is he sets the tone, but then when – it's time to make that decision and put full trust in the tone that he set, the team that he wants to be. He seems to second guess himself, and I don't want that. No, now, do I hate kicking the field goal in this situation? Yes, but I do understand it. So you have pretty much three options here, right? On this on this play, you can either punt it with a minute fourteen left, give it back to him. Hopefully, they have to go you know, 60 yards to get a field goal attempt or go 98 yards or whatever to get the touchdown. That's one move. Or it could, I mean, you could punt the ball out of bounds or into the, or sorry, into the end zone and they get the ball at the 20 or 25, whatever it is these days. So that's a risk you're taking. Or do you go for it on fourth and four? That's very, very aggressive. How would you kind of rank that? Where Which decision would you think was the right one in the moment? I think uh, you got to flip that coin between punting and going for it. I don't think you you can't rely on a – most NFL kickers can make a 54-yard field goal, right? Or they yeah. wouldn't be in the NFL. Yep. Um, but how often do you see those field goals being the ones that are missed late in the game, exactly. right? I agree. Um, not to win the game, and you don't have Justin Tucker. I don't know. Is it Siebert, right? I don't, Something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know his if career. I need to learn his name because I think he's going to be gone. Here's yeah, so. and <laughs> so I don't know. In my opinion, I'd rather see them punt the ball than kick the ball. Yeah. But I'd much rather see them go for it on fourth down. In, in my opinion, Mike, I, I, it looks like you have an opinion. Yeah. But, like, sorry, I'll just let you go first. You go first. No, I, I was just going to say, like, I think when you're looking at a 54-yard field goal, I think, you know, the, the better idea would be to punt, you know, try and get them on a hard count, mm -hmm. take, a, take a delay, delay game, game, or take two. It yeah. Don't, it doesn't matter. Yep. Try Try for two in a row. If it, if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Then punt. Pin them deep. Hopefully you punt it into the corner within, you know, 10 yards. Yeah. And Make them go it, 90 yards it, to win exactly. the game. Or That's, 50 I, yards for a long kick to, to tie it. I right? when, when you don't have the top one, two, or three kicker on your team yeah. that late in the game right there and you're looking at a 54-yard field goal, I, I just think kicking a field goal is – not the wisest decision. Yep, I agree. Real quick, I did want to bring up Carrie. She's drinking 
from Uncle John's Cider Mill, uh, the Apple Pear Cider. Cider sounds good right now. Uncle John's, they is make it? they make a good product too. I, I don't think I've ever had Uncle John. Where is yeah, that out of? Out of I think it's a St. John's. Oh, I would make oh. that would make sense. Just over. All right. Is that right? I've, I've never heard of it. Kind of. I've heard of Blake's. St. John's cider. is uh, by north, Lansing. North I think. North of Lansing, right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. sure it's St. John's yeah. up on twenty seven there. But. Um. So going back going back to the field goal decision, and in, in, in the moment it was the wrong. Like in my opinion, it goes. Go for it because that's it's, that's the tone you're trying to set. Go for it. Try to end this game with your offense on the field. That, I think, should be number one with a close second of punting it and making this team go 90 yards down the field to, to make a play. Right. The last thing I think you should have done was kick a field goal. Yeah, you, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but even if you make it, we're still losing that game because they went down and scored a touchdown. Going up six is pointless at that point, in my opinion. Because what that does is it gives the Vikings the opportunity to say, we can't kick a field goal, we need a touchdown, and it help, It changes driven, their whole mindset. They're driven, determined, yep. It changes yep. everything. They can go win the game with a touchdown, extra point, either way. Yeah. Field goal, if, you, if you're up three and they have to go 50 yards to kick a field goal, like that's their mindset. They have a right. goal right. to get to that, four, let's say, 40-yard line is their, their range. That's probably even a little... Um, Whatever, like it's probably still a little too far, but like to change that mindset to say, hey, no, you need to go get a touchdown. That I think is is another part that's being not talked about at all. Everybody's saying, oh, you missed it. You could have went up six. You didn't. That's going, the problem. Well, even if you did go up six, technically you'd still lose the game. Going the up it, six, the way that it ended, it seems foolish. It's pointless. Exactly. Especially, it just seems silly. Especially that late in the game. Mm-hmm. Now, the previous possession, when there's still, what, three and a half, four minutes left in the game? Yep. You want to kick that field goal there? Fine. Go, yeah. Go get a defensive stand. Yep. And um, But that late in the game, when you're giving the home team home field advantage and giving the ball at a good spot, like you for said. For a chance to win the game. They got a handful of plays in their playbook, and they're going to run them, and they're going to execute them. Now, you, you pin them back deep, then they got to run the ball out a little bit to give Kirk Cousins, Kirk D. Cousins, a little bit of room. Yeah. Um, I'd rather see the pressure on Kirk Cousins when he's backed up against his own end zone yeah. than giving him, you know, ha- basically half of the field yeah, I think to play the, with. I think the Lions have one of the best punters in the game. Yeah, Jack he, he, Fox. Like, why aren't, why aren't you utilizing that guy? Yeah. Um, you're re- leaning on your kicker. And, again, you're on the road. It's week three. How much practice has this guy really gotten? Yeah. And you, you're telling him to go kick a 54-yarder as if there's no, like, implications on the line. Yeah. Because, like you said, a touchdown and wins it, the game regardless. Exactly. That was what really frustrated me is it didn't change what Minnesota needed, in what, my opinion. I didn't see the kick. What did he do? Miss it? Push it? it? Pull he it? Pushed it right. Pushed it right? Yeah, and it was kind of a line drive. It never looked like – it didn't look like it went good off his foot. But I, So they talked about this actually on the broadcast was um, – so he missed one earlier. I forget what he missed from. Doesn't I, don't, I think it was 47, but I'm not positive. In-game? In-game. Um, Seibert missed one earlier, and then um, – the Vikings kicker missed missed one the same direction. Both of them missed hmm. going that same direction the same way too. They both they all pushed it to to the right. Um, so like I, I wonder if that should have played a role in the decision. Um, and look in that moment, I remember like sit I was sitting there watching my dad, and I'm just like I don't know what I would do, and I'm just like getting so like uncomfortable. Like I don't know <laughs> what I but kicking the field goal I knew was the last thing I would have done. I probably would have punted yeah. because I think that that's the smartest slash 
safest safest play yeah, right um before field position and trust your defense say hey go win this game for us like that's the way I would I would personally think I would do it as a coach it's probably um, the decision that makes the most sense in the moment yes. like we just need a punt but on a Dan Campbell team it seems like the first decision should have been going for it now fourth and four is hard that is that's one that I get why you don't do it. Fourth and one is a no-brainer, in my opinion, with yep. that first one that I brought up. But fourth and four is where you get that uncomfortable, this is going to be the wrong decision no matter what type thing. Yeah. I think that was playing it, – it, it, I don't know. Like, going for it would be playing aggra- – or uh, being aggressive, and that's fine if, you, if you're ready to lose being aggressive. Um Punting would be losing, and if they go down and lose, that would be the safest way to play it. And field goal was just the dumbest, in my opinion. And here we are again, Dan Campbell, in my opinion, making a dumb decision that that may or may or may not have cost us in the moment right here, knowing what we know, it cost us this football game, and that sucks because it gives them mm-hmm. that incredible field possession. <laughs> no, nothing else going on. I don't even want to bring up the timeout that he called after they were down at the thirty-five or whatever it is, the play before the touchdown. That was another mind-blowing thing I did not understand. It's just it seems like when his back's against the wall and he needs to make these decisions, he's something's off. Now, can he learn from it? Yes. Can he do better? I sure freaking hope so because I love everything else this guy's doing for the Detroit Lions, but get in-game situations is what got um, Jim Caldwell fired. Yep. Do, and do here you, we are again fighting that same, same battle here. Do you think Campbell is um, an analytics guy or does he – or do you think he looks at it and goes, "I'm going to do my own thing"? I, I, I f- he sound he, he says that he's analytical, like he has someone in his ear that's that's giving him the analytics. Okay. Um, and I think like the the analytics are like thirty thirty three percent. Like it was just incredibly close, whatever decision he made. Yeah. So it was kind of like one of those things that. He almost seems Didn't like a really, gut decision type of guy, not, not an analytics it does. guy. And I think if you're going to go for on fourth down six times, you're not an analytic guy. You're a gut guy. You're right, a right. aggressive coach. Yeah, and maybe in the moment too. Like what what kind of look is you know? Let's say my my right tackle giving me right now. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm running behind that guy. Right. I again, yeah, fourth and four. That's that's a a lot of yardage you got to get in one play. You can't, like the the run is out the window. You're not yeah. going to do a delay or something. I I you know fourth and two six feet you got to get. Most guys are six feet tall. You give them the ball, they move a little bit, they can lay down and yeah. give you that yard. You know that well that extra yard. But four yards is a long ways. Like you said, punting the ball. Um, I think you, Micah pointed on it too. You could get a a false start. Get them to yeah. jump. Yeah. I think you're going to get a little pressure to block the punt more than blocking the kick. Yep. Um, when it comes down to the field goal, these guys are just trying to get vertical with their hands when it's coming to the punt, and they want to come get the ball. Yeah. Chances are they're not trying to return that punt. They know what's going on, and if you're punting and you're only up three, they're willing to take that ball wherever it ends up mm-hmm. if they can't get a fair catch. But I don't think they're going to be blocking for a long return. Yeah. Go for that punt. Yep. Um, put the pressure on them. How is your guys' third down conversions – been this season it's been fairly like, good yeah we it, were, it's better than the three for 16 it has generally been, yeah. oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. it right. has been i just in a lot I of wonder. it has been so short yardage situations because they are running the ball so well right um another thing that may have played a role with not being aggressive and going for it i'm on ross and brown hurt or out of the game swift hurt and out of the game like those are your two guys that you really trust uh 
Hawkinson doesn't know where the the first down marker is ever. He's always running two yards short of it for some reason. Yeah. Um. So when he's got room to get it too, <laughs> right? It's like, come on, man. Uh, but I mean, it's just it felt like it was the most frustrating thing because it felt like that was the easiest third, like worst decision out of the three. Now he brought up there. Well, there was a fourth decision. I don't want to get into that. But like I'm assuming it means golf punting it himself. I, I don't know what that fourth decision <laughs> would have been. I see three, um, and and it's just it feels like it was the wrong one. Another thing like regarding the, this play here, uh, golf said po- post game that he wished he would have uh, vouched to go for it, um, and then again today he 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 says he wishes he would have uh, put a little more pressure and said he had a play in mind um, that he wanted to go for it. Is that concerning at all? That first of all, golf wasn't comfortable to say no. We got this. Like, let's talk about going for it. And also, the fact that your quarterback doesn't have a play in mind, is that concerning or is that just kind of let this coach make the decision? Because I've heard a lot of different opinions about these comments. Uh, Valenti is one that's going really hard on golf. I'm like, guys, that should be a red flag. And on my opinion, I look at it as like, look, that's not his job to make this decision. It's also not his job to have that play to say, no, we're going to go do this. That's the offensive coordinator and coach's job to work together to make that play. I, I, I'm not. I think it's a big nothing burger. But what do you guys think? Is it, should we be concerned he, about that side of it? May, maybe a little bit. I mean, he is he is the head of the offense. Mm-hmm. He's he knows and has the feel of what's going on on the field in a different sense than coaches do. I mean, he still has just as much say as the coach. Yeah. I mean. I, I get it. You have your play callers. You've either got your head coach or your OC on the sideline or up in the booth, whatever. But you still have a different feeling being on the field with your guys. And uh, th- I think there is some level of, of concern. I don't know how big of concern it is, but of course. I mean, your QB, your QB is out there play calling, seeing things other guys don't see. Yeah. I'm not too concerned with it. He hasn't had to do that his whole career. When he was in L.A., they had everything laid out for him. I don't think he's that kind of guy. Um, it sounds like there were some offensive linemen, though, that were hoping that they were going for it and were yeah. confident in making that first down. Um, but to have a play in the back of your mind, you know, ready to go, uh, a go-to, like you said, down two weapons, um, I don't. I don't think that's something you can rely yeah. on Jared Goff to do. I think the coaches need to step in at that point and and make the right call. Yep. And I think we all agree that they made the wrong call yeah. on fourth and four. Yeah. Um. I tell you what. Ne- next time they're gonna have a play dialed up. I guarantee you that. And I'm sure Goff will have one that he is ready to say. No, we're gonna do it with this play. Now, just my opinion. Run a pick play. Run your very best pick play. Make it obvious as heck. Make it offensive pass interference. If the refs call it. You move back, you punt. You yep. don't call it, you just got yourself first down game over. Chances Be- are they're going to call it, though, right, Detroit? Pro- probably. I mean, <laughs> yeah, how many did we see for the Lions this, this past game? And it was just absolutely unreal. The flags were 7-3, uh, to three, basically. And, that, I mean, the third was so late in the game, it didn't even matter. Um, I think this you- weekend the flags were flying every game. Yeah. This it is, was This was nuts. their last their last week of uh, – preparing for the the illegal contact thing because you know how yeah. they did that they talked about it in the offseason right, right. and how many to worry i think he had five illegal contacts or and or holdings um you look at the stats overall uh lions 416 total yards to 373 they had more passing yards with 277 to 250 more rushing yards 139 to 123 they also ran a lot more plays 
Um, when you look at the first downs, the Vikings much better, 30-23. to 23. Both teams on third down were bad. Lions, 3 of 16, I already brought that up. Uh, but the 4 of 6 on fourth, third down for Vikings, 2 of 9. Um, total plays, 76-67 to 67, um, for the Lions. Both teams at three punts. We already talked about all this. Time of possession, 34-04 for the Lions, 25-56 for the, for the Vikings. You look at these numbers and you're like, how in the world did the Lions lose this game? This should have been a 10-point victory. You look at what, what we were, if you watch the game and then look at the numbers, you're even more mad because, man, it's just, it was all there. Lions were the better team and just, it really, really sucks. Kirk Cousins, um, they held him for 260 yards, two touchdowns. He looked really bad. Um, Delvin Cook, before he got hurt, he had 96 yards on 17 carries. Justin Jefferson, Shut down. Shut down by Okuda. Okuda is at another level right now. I'm telling look, he's not all pro or anything like I'm not going to go overboard. He's shutting down some very, very good wide receivers in this league right now. And if we can get a Warrior back on track, look out. This defense will start figuring things out. They will. Tracy Walker injury, torn Achilles, that. That's huge. Sucks. Yeah, that's huge. Um, but if the corners can step up, that takes a little bit of pressure off the safeties, yeah. obviously. Yeah, I wrote down Jeff Okuda's numbers through three games. Yeah, yeah. Devontae Smith, those? zero catches, zero yards, week one against Philadelphia. Terry McLaurin, two catches for 22 yards, week two against Washington. Justin Jefferson, three catches for 14 yards. Man. So a combined five catches for 36 yards through three weeks. If you have a shutdown corner, you can control – a, a, an offense, no matter how good they are, yeah. you really can. That's it, that's the guy you drafted. That's the right guy there. we drafted. It yeah. is. No, I agree with that. And I guess I, I'm kind of on the fence. Is Justin Jefferson coming off of that game against Darius Slay, the Vikings, Eagles? Is he rattled? Maybe. Did, did that did that set him back onto the pedestal of reality? And he's maybe he's not that good. Um, or is Jeff Okuda? Darius Slay did caliber. It? Did he find it? And we we got that guy to replace Darius Slay. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping. And look, I mean Darius, or sorry, Jeff Okuda w- was good in the game that he played last year under this new defense. Yep. Um, I, I can't think of the the corner the the cornerback coach right now his name. Um, but like people talk, Aubrey Pleasant. Yep. Um, they talked about him. They've talked about Aaron Glenn. Um, and and how he would fit and what they use some very low end guys. And they were they were decent last year at, at the corner position. Um, and I feel like getting in a guy like Akuda to feeling himself, he's 100% now. He is playing some really, really good football. I hope it continues. I hope he stays healthy. Um, it's, just, it's just really, really exciting. Um, TJ Hawkinson, another guy I just want to – I just can't figure this guy out. Seems to always have a drop. Seems, seems to be not getting over. Yeah, he had the touchdown. He had three catches for 18 yards. Where did our weapon go? He was an absolute weapon um, with with Stafford and the first half of last season with with, um, with uh, Goff, and now all of a sudden he just he looks lost. He looks like he's outside of his element, and it's just it's very frustrating. I don't. I'm getting really concerned about this, especially in this contract year where we have to make a decision. Do we re-sign an eighth overall pick, was he, or something wrong? Like, very high in draft pick. Um, or are we going to let this guy walk, which absolutely would suck. You know what I mean? Like, it's either overpay him for what he's done and hope that he figures something out, or let this guy walk and let him be successful on 
probably the Packers or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he should be a eight catch, eighty five yard guy per game. It seems like you right? know one or the other at least. And, yeah, you know, mixing the touchdowns there, he should have double digit touchdowns on the season. And 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 for me, and, and obviously, I'm not I'm not the biggest football like X's and O's guy. But if you are a tight end that's supposed to catch the ball, you're not running downfield. You're not do. You're not being covered by these unreal athletes like cornerbacks and stuff. You have very short routes. You are a safety valve, and you have three seconds to get open, and you should be able to get open every time, unless you're being lazy. And I'm not calling Hawkinson lazy. I don't think I understand the game. I don't see it well enough to to say he's being lazy. But a tight end not getting open feels like you're being lazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah, I don't know if he's exerting all of his energy run blocking he's doing a good for these guys. Job of that. Yeah. But, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey and a couple others that are getting double teamed nonstop, I mean, this guy, like you said, he should be open. He was he's been rated a top five tight end every year going into the season. He goes to these tight end camps, they come out and he's saying, Oh, he's the number one guy. Yeah. And I'm not seeing it. Haven't seen it. And when you do it's in flashes. Um, so I don't know if that, you know, the focus on the offense needs to change and get him more involved. They got to do something. Three yep. catches for 18 yards. That's pathetic. I'm yeah. sorry. That, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I think it's got a lot to do with play calling, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think you can place everything on this guy. I don't think it's everything, but that's, yeah, I guess that's, it's not like golf has a lot of weapons, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't be too mad about it. Maybe he's just not going through the, that far down his progressions, I guess. But it just, I don't know, in the crucial situations, when you're going three of, what, 16 on third down, that's the one, that that's when you that's rely on your you tight end. That's where you insert Hawkinson. Yes. Yeah. And that's where, like, I, I believe Ben Johnson is smart at football. He's a very good offensive coordinator is what we're being told. We'll see. But, like, tight end is third down time you know what I mean that's his time to shine and it hasn't been now you have Amon Ross St. Brown kind of filling that role um maybe that's why maybe just Goff trusts him more but again Goff trusts a second year guy over a fourth year tight end who came into the league to be the next Travis Kelsey right that's concerning yeah so I don't know I, I don't think we're gonna have the answer I just think it's something to keep an eye on because it is concerning Dan Kempo was a tight end, right? He was a tight end, yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the best out of these guys. That's a guy that he should be barking at all day, every day. Yeah. Not to tick him off, not to run him out of Detroit, but light some kind of fire behind this guy because it's just not showing. It's not showing up on game day. Yep. So the Lions fall to 1-2. Um, sounds like Amon Ross Brown could be out at least this week, maybe longer. Um you have Swift, who's going to be out for for probably a significant amount of time. We'll we'll see exactly how long. Um, but they fall to one and two. Um, it, if you told me they're going to be one and two, I, I would have predicted one and two through three games. That was what I what I expected. I really did. But the way that this third game played out, it feels like a disappointment. And I'm not angry at the one and two. I'm angry at how we got to one and two. Now at the same time. I'm freaking excited for how we got to one and two because I think we were the better team in in this game. I think we're better than the Vikings based on what I saw. And going into Minnesota, paper. going into Minnesota, that's never easy for the Lions, let alone anybody. It is a very very tough place to play. It's a good 
football team with a veteran quarterback, and you should have beat them. And it sucks saying that, but at the same time, that is something to be excited about. It just feels like a missed opportunity, and that's where it just hurts that much. And look, I said last week, I'm ready to get hurt. I'm okay with it. Mm. This is what we want. We want to be hurt by this team. Here I am. I My Sunday was ruined. I was in the worst mood. Don't tell Andrea I admitted to that because I'd tell her that I was just fine. I was spitting angry <laughs> at the world that this happened. And then hockey, uh. we didn't have hockey, so that didn't help. Oh, we do have a comment here real quick. Hawkinson is more of a receiver build versus the good tight end in the NFL that the back end guys don't want to tackle. He's very easy to tackle. I think that is that I believe that's what he's saying. He's not the type of guy that people are afraid to tackle. Am I reading that correctly? Maybe. Is that how you guys would read that? Um let's go with that. I mean, it seems like he catches the ball and gets tackled. I feel like he falls <laughs> down more than he gets knocked down. <laughs> that's a really good You know, point. it's like he loses his balance and forgets that he's tall and like tries to run down low and just lays down. It's yep. it's unfortunate. Hmm. I said I'm I'm ready to get hurt. I said I'm okay with getting hurt. I want to get hurt. That doesn't mean I'm still going to be okay that day. What Was yeah, Swift's injury an hurt. ailing injury from the previous game, or did this all occur during so, the Vikings game? So he's had an ailing ankle. Yeah, this is a new one, the shoulder, yeah, right? Well, it sounds oh. like he has a separated shoulder. So it's an ankle and a shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. So I'm assuming I'm assuming he's going to be out till after the bye at this I'm, point. I I'm don't just happy see a reason to I picked up him. picked up Jamal Williams in fantasy football because I got be. I got DeAndre Swift. And yeah, I, they're gonna I mean, run him like a dog. Yep. Yeah. So you got Seattle this week uh, at home, and then you go to at New England. It sounds like Mac Jones could be out. Yeah. You got those two games before the bye. Then you got Dallas Cowboys. We'll see what happens with them. Um, sounds <laughs> like, it, I mean, Cooper Rush is one, but it sounds uh, like Dak is is going to be back week five is what he's saying. So I'm assuming it will be at least by week seven. So uh, keep an eye on that. Still feel good about it because I don't think Dallas is the world beater that no. I think I was a little nervous about heading into the season. I think these are three winnable games. You win these three games. I can put that loss to the Vikings behind me because it is just a divisional road loss. I always say that we're splitting it 50-50 no matter what, and then you hope to steal one, you hope not to get upset. You know what I mean? Um, That's kind of the way I look at the division. Um, You get out of it 500, you did your job. Yeah. Anything better, obviously that's that's gravy. Um, You still have that in front of you. So I – this is my, my last time being mad about this game. I hope. Actually, did you, did you hear hope. that, Andrea? Yeah, I hope that that's the case <laughs> because I could also see myself week seventeen saying mother effing Vikings game week three. That's why we're not going to the mother effing playoffs, and I'm angry all over again. Yeah, and then, and then week seventeen, he doesn't have <laughs> hockey practice, and he's just he's just angry. It could come down to this game being the deciding factor and who gets the wild card out of the NFC. That sucks. And that's that's the hardest part to move past, forget, and uh, I guess a pill to swallow going into the rest of the season. From the Red Wings to Michigan State, we're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. Uh. Michigan State Spartans hosted P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and they rowed the boat right into the deep <laughs> deep water, and were not even threatened. You like how I did that, the, the deep water thing? 
Uh, there I wasn't thought, any. Thought that was there was no deep water. Well, Sam. They, they were not worried about it in their boat. Uh, Minnesota won thirty-four to seven and shut out the Spartans until the final drive when Noah Kim came in and had a twenty-seven-yard touchdown pass to Bernard with seventeen seconds left to avoid the shutout. Minnesota took a fourteen-nothing lead in the first quarter, seventeen-nothing in the halftime, and scored seventeen points. Uh, in the second half to go up 34 to nothing before that touchdown. Peyton Thorne struggled once again, going 17 to 24 for 132 yards, two interceptions, and a fumble inside the 10 yard line uh, as MSU was driving down to start the second half while down, only down 17 nothing. You get that touchdown, you never know. Noah Kim came in, he went 6 of 7 for 70 yards and a touchdown in garbage time. MSU couldn't get the running game going once again with Broussard getting 23 yards on six carries and Berger. 13 yards on four carries. Uh, yeah, they're banged up, and, and no, I mean, when you're when you're down, you're gonna obviously not run the ball nearly as much. But it wasn't that crazy that you could have got away from the running game that quick. Um, but it was if you if you're expecting your your running game to set the tone of, of of the game, it's just this. No running game is a recipe for disaster for for the Michigan State Spartans, and that's exactly what we saw. Um, really for, for the second week in a row. Uh, Jaden Reed did return from his back injury, uh, but only had four catches for 21 yards as uh, Cade McDonald led the way with 31 yards on three catches, just ahead of Trey Mosley, who had 28 yards and three catches. Um, That's who led receiving? Yeah, it was, it was ugly. For- <laughs> it was... Very, very ugly. Oh my gosh! Um, I got, let me let me keep going here because these are just some some incredible things. And yes, I'm smiling, and, and that's okay that I'm smiling. Um, on the other side of the ball, Minnesota's Tanner Morgan went 23 of 26 for three touchdowns. Whoa! Uh, Mohammed Ibrahim uh, had 103 yards on 22 carries, and Trey Potts had an additional 72 yards on 13 carries to combine for 175 yards of the 240 yards. Rushing MSU allowed. MSU was outgained 307 to 45 in the first half. Excuse me. Unbelievable. That, oh, that's unacceptable. It, yeah. It, it you really are is. you are getting blown to shreds. Yep. Minnesota had 19 first downs to MSU's three in the first half. Absolutely. Mm. That's Insane. inexcusable. Um, it's back-to-back weeks with a poor start, poor execution, and simply not looking prepared. This is exactly what I was trying to warn MSU fans about. They thought they were they they were here to stay, but what we are seeing here are the flaws an NFL talent can cover up with Kenneth Walker, and that's what he did last yeah. year. Yep, dude, nobody's taking away their 11-win season. They're not, but man, that is what that guy did for you. That is what a NFL running back does. In college football, it is absolutely insane um, what what he did, and and everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. I, coming from a Michigan fan, coming from another Michigan fan, I'm not taking away Dude, any it, talent that Kenneth Walker brought to the team. It's it is simply flat out the truth how talented he made the offense and the hole he left leaving. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Jarrett jumping in, uh, he's making some dinner, drinking some tequila. Ready to take on this hurricane. He says he misses us. Uh, miss you too, buddy. Stay safe, Stay man. safe. Uh, drink some tequila and make Ian your you-know-what. Um, <laughs> look, this was a quote from, from Tucker here. He said, I'm not blind blindsided. We knew what their game plan was. I'm not shocked. I may be disappointed. I may be angry. I may get frustrated at times. We all know to comp- 
compete, or we all want to compete better, to compete and play better. Look, uh, excuse. He says he's not so blindsided by this. That's, and see, that, that's that red is flag. Incredible red flag. to me. So, what's the red flag uh, for you on that? I'm not blindsided, and we knew what their game plan was. I, I don't know how more red flag you can get with. I'm not blindsided with the results of the game, and we knew what their game plan was, and this this is the result of your game. The numbers, you have got to be kidding me. It, that is I'm so of, sorry. That's bull crap. And that's such a red flag for me if a coach is going to say that because what is that saying? That's saying, hey, I did everything right. I did everything right. I, we were prepared for it. It was just oh. the execution that was bad. The execution was the issue. Oh, it wasn't oh, no. the plan. And I'm telling you what, there is no way they that they thought this was the game plan because they the, thought you they prepared for Ibrahim to run the ball constantly because that's what Minnesota does. And, and Wyndham actually talked about it. And what did they do? Went and threw the ball all over their butts going 23 to 26. They made somebody named Tanner Gilbert look like freaking Tom Brady in his heyday. Like, it is absolutely embarrassing what they did to this this defense in general. They made it look so freaking easy. I mean, the fact that it was 34 nothing until, what was it, three minutes? 17 seconds. It, it was literally was 17, 17 seconds. 17 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Okay, it, it was a 34-0 game start to finish. But, he, and but they knew that they were going to And come. you're telling me you're not blindsided and you knew the game plan. You are full crap. We'll get to your pay in a minute here. Yeah, I mean, so basically without the big plays, without the comfort of an elite running game, you see what an uncomfortable quarterback, the lack of offensive line, and a bad defense, get. they're all getting exposed all at once. It is spiraling out of control. This season is looks like it could be doomed, and I just wonder who, if anyone, can stop this spiral because it is coming, it is hot. Can, and that's where... Yeah, can I actually yeah. answer that a second? Yeah, yeah. Who is it? If you don't have Noah Kim running out there for a couple of drives next game, I don't know what type of coach Mel Tucker is because every time he has come in, he has gotten, he has gotten something kick-started. He has gotten some traction with the offense. And if you're just going to keep blindly running Peyton Thorne out there every single drive just because that's who your quote-unquote starter is and we're not diverting from that, mm-hmm. you you are a you are a terrible college football coach. MSU is the 83rd overall ranked defense. Very, very bad. That's not really that surprising, though. They were one of the worst in college football. I mean, They're they improved. should be better. They should, they should easily be better than that, um, especially when you had two cupcakes to start the season, and we'll see what these two teams end up as with Washington and Minnesota. I don't think they're contenders by any means, but they're solid teams, so I'm, I'm not going to give them that. But they're 85th ranked in total offense. That is the red flag that I think everybody should be concerned about because it does not look like it's getting any better. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of crazy to to see that stat. You know, uh, that's a that's a bad recipe for the, or well, I guess a good recipe for disaster, but a bad recipe to have in the kitchen there in East Lansing. And mm-hmm. weren't they just ranked number eleventh? So where are they getting these uh, rankings from? If yeah, if they're going off of two cakewalk games and ranking a team eleven, 
just to watch them lose well, two in a row. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm questioning, you know, the, the AP poll at this point. Right, they don't know what they're um, doing. But, man, you're ranked in the 80s on both sides of the ball. That's that's the red flag right there, yeah. and that has to change. That is not up to Michigan State's expectations. Yep. I know that they've been able to raise the, that bar over the, the last, you know, several years, going back to D'Antonio and, and uh, you know, the early regime of Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some serious concern going forward and, and throughout the rest of the season. Listen, you need to show the Spartan faithful when you go to Maryland this weekend, you need to raise hell. Mm-hmm. Or this fan base will turn on you and they are going to be finished with you quickly. Yeah. I, you, you have a Look, chance to rectify and start moving forward here, but if you don't do it against Maryland, you're, you're going to have a problem. I would disagree with you on I don't think Michigan State has ever – Michigan State football has never – what's the word I'm looking for? Hadn't a true opinion or, like, a take to say fire this coach or move on or re- – like, you know what I mean? Because, like, when D'Antonio was driving this team into the ground, they were like, oh, well, it's D'Antonio – we can't Hands question off. him. Rose all Bowl. those things. Yeah, yeah, he did this. He did that. Yeah, you can have a really good coach, oh. a, a, someone that had a really good career, but you can also have an opinion about. No, it's time to move on. Now, there are yeah. very few amount of Spartan football fans that are willing to have a true take, a true opinion about their football team. They like to show up. They like to look at their little number next to them when they're finally there, and then outside of that. Oh, we don't have any expectations. We don't really care. This is the rebuild. This is if we get seven wins, that that's fine with me. Like, are you kidding? Which one are you? Because last year you were chomping at the bit to talk all your spitting game with getting eleven wins. Good for you. That's awesome. I'm not trying to say that isn't didn't happen. That's amazing what they did. But then don't come around next year and say, well, seven wins, we'll, we'd be happy. It's a, Like, yeah, where'd you you're get either, that number either, from? You're either here or you're not. Yeah, it's amazing right. what Kenneth Walker did last year. Yeah. Um, let's face it, uh, that was their offense, and um, we're, we're getting the, the true taste of reality here. I agree with Micah. Peyton Thorne's got to sit this one out, man. And if you lose to Maryland after Michigan just beat them, and I know that game was a little closer yeah, scoreboard-wise, yeah. but Michigan still held – the game down there mm-hmm. that's uh to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it that. would i think it would depend on the fashion if they lose i mean if they get just smoked it, we're gonna we're gonna have some problems here in east lansing if they go another game without showing up like right. they did in washington right. and against in hosting their first big 10 game if they do that again there should be some angry angry fans there won't no. be because it, they don't care if they if they lose a close one angry, i get it i think i think maryland's a lot better than they were a year ago, two years, three years ago, they're they're not the same crap Maryland team. I, I've been saying that since last year. Actually, there was a said funny, that on this podcast. Yeah, there, there there was a funny part in the game, and it, it was early on. So I think they were down fourteen nothing, but it was like early in the game. And I remember seeing, and this is just cracked me up when it happened. I was like, well, I got to remember that. The announcer goes. Well, it's 55 degrees here in East Lansing, and Mel Tucker is sweating bullets, and they show him just covered oh, in sweat, my. clapping. Like, it was just, that was, oh, my gosh, that was poetic justice for people that hated Tuck coming last year like we did um, as Michigan fans, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it's keep an eye on it. Mike, you wanted to get into what he's being paid. What, what, what were you going to bring up? Well, I just... Just in in a, in a general sense, I mean, it, the the money is currently not adding up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I 
I believe, I mean, there, there's been a couple of uh, new contracts from some SEC and ACC coaches lately, but I, the, yeah. I, I think that Tucker is, I think, tied for fifth right now. Tied, I don't know if it's with Dabo or, or who it's with, but tied for fifth, and this is the product that's being put on the field. I, I'm sorry, and this is this is your second full season because screw COVID, right? Yeah, right. So last year, great turnout. This year, you are you are really starting to stumble, and it's and it's not a good look. No, I, I agree. It's not a good look. And a lot of people are, are talking about this this contract, and they're saying, oh, he's overpaid, he's over this. Um, I don't think I want to go to that extent because if somebody's willing to pay you, you are officially not overpaid. He's not overpaid as a coach, but what MSU is paying, they're not getting their money's worth. So that's where I think it's a little different. MSU's overpaying for their results right now. I don't want to say Mel Tucker's overpaid because I don't like saying somebody should get paid this over that. Now, but where else, who else could you have for that money is what people need to put into perspective. You know what I mean? And I know like it was kind of a perfect storm where he was flirting with LSU allegedly and he was getting offers here, getting offers there, so they had to pay him. That might just be a really good businessman in my opinion. Right. <laughs> but... Right. um Look, this this guy is looking more Brady Hoke than a top five yeah. coach in this league. And what yeah. I mean by that is well, we all know of his from clapping, experience, all of his fakeness, <laughs> and when he's on the sideline and doing his clapping and his pe- press conferences and all that stuff, it is a major red flag from my perspective. I love every second of it. I'll tell you that right now. This is I'm Michigan State, for God's sakes. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It was just – you just look at it as their, their recruiting class are, are, are getting up there. I have it written down here. Um, currently they have the 22nd recruiting class in 2023 uh, with 10 four-star recruits uh, in the ninth current ranked uh, 2024 with two four-star recruits. But I'm telling you what, Mel Tucker better get this thing back on the tracks, otherwise those people will be jumping ship. Because MSU is not a school you go to because of the name. It's not someplace you go to because of loyalty. It's you need to convince them that this is a place to be. And based on what's going on this year, and look at this upcoming schedule, you got Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, a bye, Michigan. Those are four. Very, very losable games. You're eight-point underdog right now heading into Maryland. You think you're going to be a favorite in any of these games up until you play Illinois, Rutgers, and Indiana, and then end with Penn State. You have four to five losses on this, the uh, on the remaining, based on what we've seen. Can Michigan State fix things? Right. Yeah. Am I terrified for that game on October 29? Yeah, I'm going to be a nervous wreck until it happens. There is nothing that in this rivalry that I'm going to be like, Michigan is going to walk in and win this game. Right, I, I, right. I, I can't do that right now. And I, I think that's fair for a Michigan fan, like to call out a Michigan fan and say, we're walking in and we're dominating. Like, we can't do that. Because this game... Right. It's their a, Super Bowl. It is their Super Bowl, yeah. especially if they're going to continue to struggle. So right. Yeah. Four four weeks into the season, they already got two losses. You can't tell me that game isn't the biggest game on their, on their mm-hmm. schedule now. And not that it, it never is. But when they got a chance to run the table, they're they're looking at several games that are their big games, and uh, that's kind of already out the window now. You you got to win something. You have to like Micah said, you got to reconcile something on on the season here. Mm-hmm. 
Um, hopefully they find a way to beat Ohio State, but like lose the rest of their game. I don't know. Yeah. As a Michigan <laughs> fan again, um, <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, I don't have any high hopes there either. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think they're gonna they're probably setting that sights on that game coming out of the bye week. Yeah. And and I, I just think this what we're seeing this year and what we saw last year are going to be the highs and the lows of the transfer portal. And if you're going to live in that transfer portal, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to deal with. And for the if if a Michigan State fan ever says, well, this is only year two of the rebuild. I need to tell them to shut up because oh. college football is set up for a quick turnaround. We saw it last year. If we're going to get all high and mighty, six to midnight over the other one season like we should, coming off of the COVID year that went poorly, if this is only year two of the rebuild, like uh, throw that away because rebuilds don't happen in college football. It is reload whether – you're a great recruiter or not because you have that transfer portal, and if you're going to brag about when it goes well one year, you better pay that price and be ready to take your medicine when it goes bad the second year. So I saw an argument um, on the social media you know, websites out there um, talking about some. someone had mentioned that Michigan State has all, you know, all Tucker's recruits, and – the guy goes, no, they're not his recruits. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I think you're both wrong in a sense that actually Mel Tucker has all of his own players. He doesn't have all of his recruits because we're, we're not at year four, year five yet where all of his recruits are here. I get it. But he had turned this almost the entire starting roster around. These are his players. He sought out. So enough of that crap. That's that's done and gone. Really, These are his players. Yeah, that's a really good point. And like when you, when it was the Brady Hoke and then into Harbaugh, it, it took four years for Harbaugh to get fully his guys. Doesn't that that changes overnight these days? I I would be shocked if there are any the, or like maybe a handful of true turnover players from the D'Antonio era, which right. D'Antonio was your best coach ever. So. And you should at least have some kind of deal. And you gotta you gotta keep in mind too when when Harbaugh came in, this transfer portal wasn't even a thing at that point. That first year, and it still doesn't benefit you, Michigan, right? You can't get to it. You you had your grad transfers. That's where we got Jake Rudock from. Yep. But excuse me, boy, that was a <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Sorry, guys. I know where. It no, came but from. Uh, at that point. Harbaugh didn't have the liberty to go out and go, you know what, uh, you know, Jacoby Winman, come on over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jerick uh, Broussard and um, Jalen Berger, come on over. He didn't have that liberty. Things are different now. To I mean, to say, you know, it's really, really tough for Tucker to get players in here, whether it's recruiting or whether it's transfer portal, I'm not buying that BS one bit. He's got every single player he had wanted he to has, get. He has picked these guys. Yep. And some have succeeded, some haven't. And I think that's just the, that's just the way it's going to go. And if you're willing to live in that that transfer portal, just, I don't know, I, I, I think it needs to be talked about a little bit more. But who are we? We're just Michigan fans. Because if we said that this was going to happen, which we did heading into the preseason, we're just haters. But now, <laughs> you don't get many conversations with state fans right now. No. <laughs> what, what was the uh, over-under wins? I think it was... Ours seven or and the a half. seven and a half for Michigan that, State, and I, I think I have the under har with that. With I have a bet with Kyle. I think that we talked about on the podcast. Okay, um, boot. I don't remember exactly what it was. I 
doubt it was a boot. Might be a boot. Pink slips for your new car? <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> I don't think the car was even there yet. <laughs> Otherwise, maybe I would have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember what the. Be- we'll have to check the tape on that. But um, I think Michigan State fans should be concerned. They have a right to be concerned. Yeah, and absolutely. Michigan fans have a right to enjoy every second of watching their misery. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. This is State of My Sports. We are moving. I think this is going well. I'm, I'm having a good time. Especially that last thing, man. I enjoyed that. Uh, all right, Justin just jumped in. He said, would you guys be okay if every three years he has a good transfer portal season like last year? No, I would not like that. <laughs> I, as a Michigan like, fan, I wouldn't like that. Okay, yeah, I guess yeah. as a Michigan fan, as as a, I guess as a sports fan, a college football fan, I would be okay with it because it keeps them – relevant in a way i do love that side of it, and it builds up the big 10 now what what ends up happening with all these programs merging and what what's left of the big 10 and the sec and such um mm-hmm. that's up for everybody to kind of win and lose from but i think it's it's good for michigan state i think they need that i, I think they need that in order to afford the guy yeah i agree and to be to have an 11 win season every few years yes Take that and, and run with it here in the Big Ten. I I think you run with that, but you're not paying a coach to do that. You're paying a coach to win Big Ten titles. You're paying a coach to go to the playoff. Now, what the playoff's going to become is a different story, um, but I just don't think that's possible to every three years have that. You know what I mean? You're either going to be successful doing it like he was last year, or you're going to get more of these negative years and then you won't have that boost that he happened to get last year. That's the way I like to look at it, um, but I could be wrong. So um, jumping to the Michigan game, uh, Michigan survived an extremely hard-fought test uh, the Maryland Terrapins put forth uh, to win 34-27 to after Maryland scored with 45 seconds left to make it a seven-point game. Um, a win for the, the Wolverines. Uh, running back Blake Corum put the team on his back with 243 rushing yards on 30 carries and two touchdowns. The 8.1 average included a tough, um, or included tough yard, tough short yardage situations, and could and also had a couple explosive plays, which included a 33-yard touchdown run and a 47-yard touchdown run. Um, JJ looked inexperienced, bad yeah. at, at times. In, in a tad off a uh, couple of times as well uh, while going 18 of 26 for 220 yards and two touchdowns, but no INTs. He did, however, put the ball on the ground twice, which is also concerning. Um, let me finish up, then we'll, we'll get into conversation here. Uh, with all-out uh, tight end Schoon, Schoonmaker, uh, had a great game with seven catches for 72 yards next to uh, wide receiver Ronnie Brown or Ronnie Bell, sorry, uh, who had 72 yards on three catches. Uh, we knew this was this would be the uh, defense's first test, and Maryland moved the ball extremely well, getting 23 first downs, 6 of 14 on third down, 3 of 3 on fourth, and had just under 400 total yards, 128 rushing, 269 passing. Um, honestly, without that kickoff, so for the people that missed it, the opening kickoff off Maryland's helmet, Michigan got the ball at the 10-yard line, first play, 
uh, touchdown, uh, ten yard pass to Schoonmaker uh, from from JJ. You gotta wonder how this game would look if that didn't happen. I know it throws everything for a loop, but you win by seven. You see that seven. You gotta sit and wonder what this game uh, would have been. Um, and it's concerning in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I want to start with Blake Corum. Let's really talk about him. I, I, I mean, 243 yards, 30 carries, two touchdowns. Uh, to add to his impressive season totals, 478 yards, seventh in, in all of college football, and nine touchdowns, which is leading the, the nation on 64 attempts, which is like 10 to 15 less than all of the players above him um, in yards. So keep that in mind here. Uh, 7.46 Average without that touchdown off the muff uh, kick, without Corum on Saturday with Edwards out, I don't I don't know if Michigan survives this game without Corum, and that but is they they don't they don't right <laughs> I mean it's, no it's a loss yeah and and that's where it's just like man you got your junior you you have your running back and he took over the game it was unreal what he did and he's a really one nice of his, guy one of his touchdowns were were, were a, a fourth and one. And he just broke it out and ran it for I think it was the was it the thirty three yard touchdown or the forty seven? I guess it doesn't think, matter. Yeah. But man, it was an incredible game for for Corum. And you went out, you met him the next day. I did. Yeah. So tell us a little about that. Uh, bought a ticket Saturday and uh, got to go meet him at Legends Sunday. Took Max and I, there there was two photos to pick from and Max picked a photo where there was a Buckeye running after him. <laughs> last year and um so he goes yeah i want that one and, all right cool so met up with him and uh just i mean he was he was so cool with max he's like what's up little man gave him a fist bump and asked him how he's doing and all that stuff yeah. and you know of course i wanted to get like a question and i'm like hey how's donovan edwards doing <laughs> did you ask him yeah i did what he say? he goes yeah he's, he's progressing pretty well i'm yeah. like all right cool I want more. <laughs> <laughs> so you met you met a running back and you decided to ask him how his I know, competition I'm such is coming along. <laughs> like, well, it's his no, body. No, yeah, but uh, no, it was it was cool. But so. I mean, even his post game interview that he had on the field, like, dude, such a nice guy, big smile on his face. And I yeah. I don't have the exact quote, but I think it was something along the lines of, "Hey, I do this for the people that can't." I'm blessed to be in this position. I know we we hear that a lot. We're, I'm blessed to be in this position. But when he said, I do this for the people that can't, that hit me a little differently, especially with what happened pregame yeah. with the guy that lost his leg with cancer Michi. and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was, it was it was very, very nice to see and hear. He's used a lot of his NIL money to kind of help a lot of impoverished families out yeah. during the holiday time. So. Seems nice seems guy. like a good yeah. dude and um, love love what he did. JJ, his first test uh, was bad or mediocre at best, in my opinion. Uh, not just the stats, 18 and 26, 220, two touchdowns. But the eye test, in my opinion, was concerning. He seems to be making the wrong decisions on run pass options. He seems to be making the wrong decision on, on whether he's going to keep the ball and run it himself. Something has changed. The competition is obviously higher. Tough, tougher oh, yeah. environment here um, with what we're dealing with. Uh, but he also looked very inaccurate downfield, which is scary. And he continues to put the ball on the ground. He fumbled the ball twice. They got him both back. It wasn't an issue. He also threw an interception that was this close to being an interception, but the guys ended up out of bounds. Not taking care of the football is going to be the key for this guy moving forward. Me, I was a big J.J. guy. Loved it, and I'm not qu- not second guessing the decision by any means. 
but I'm a little concerned. I, What's your guys' level of concern based on JJ? I think if we see more of the same thing this coming week, I my I will have actual concern. Yeah. Um, what what I saw on his when he escaped the pocket, ran around like a wild man, and then ran upfield along the sideline, and I thought the second when he was going to step out right oh, at the yeah. right at the first down marker, and then he decided to cut inside back into the field like a couple yards and took a lick. I'm like, um, that was the wrong decision. That I mean, that that could have ended up really poorly. Very, very you bad. you could have been in the locker room. You could have been in the tent. Yep. Like, you you know better. Take that step out of bounds, and if you're a few inches short, we'll take care of that. The decision making is coming becoming a massive <clears throat> massive concern. Oh, yeah. In my in my opinion, John, yeah. what what are your what's your perspective on on what we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, he he looks young. He looks like he hasn't gotten enough reps yet. Um, I hope that it's not one of those things where they just like opened it up for him and said, "Hey, try to do something different and do something with it. Make make plays happen when maybe like you said with the run pass option if if they're trying to get different looks, if yeah. they're trying to I don't know, are they trying to build their film for these teams that they got coming up? Um hopefully they're not looking past Maryland and looking at Iowa. I'm yeah. kind of scared of that game to begin with, but I agree with Micah if, if he's putting up if he's making the same decisions in the first half of that Iowa game and that game's within one possession, I wouldn't be surprised if Cade gets the knock. Well, I mean, he's hurt. Uh, he's hurt. He's that's, hurt. That's, yeah. that's yeah. the scary thing. J.J. has, has got to, to start. He's got to start, and Is he's Cade got to win. Is Cade out for the season? Uh, multiple weeks. It sounds like he'll be back maybe like Michigan State or probably just after the bye. Yeah, so Michigan oh, State. Probably. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, little news to me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I knew he won the battle. Yeah, but and then, then Kate got it's more nervous. Already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. That amplifies things a little yeah. bit. I think one of the biggest concerning things was he only had five rushing yards. Yeah. On five carries. That's and that's a little. That's scary. where I just wonder if there is, if something has changed in the play calling. If they've said, "Oh boy, Cade's out." All right, we need to reel it in less runs, rest less of the. You know, I brought that up last week. Cause I thought he made those same things, uh, those same type of decisions. He was. Leaving the ball in the running back's hands when he definitely should have kept it. Like, no it, doubt he should have kept yeah. it. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, are the coaches in his head? Are they saying, every time you're handing it to him, keep the same look, keep the same feel, but you are giving him that ball every single time. And, look, they're not going to do that all season long. Obviously, you got to let this guy play the game. But Th- That's what kept the offense unpredictable mm-hmm. when he was in last year. You you gotta let him play the way he has played. Yep. You, you you just gotta kind of hone in just his uh, I don't know what, what was that reckless abandonment type running yeah. style. Yeah, hone that in a little bit and just let him play. Yep. Another thing that I thought was a little a little bit concerning, and I don't want to over over I, I don't want to overthink it and over like say it's a thing, but I brought it up very early on that like well while we were comparing Michigan to Michigan State was. Michigan State obviously had Jaden Reed. That's their number one. That's the guy that they're going to go up to when they need him most, when they need a play. That's who they're going to. I still don't see that with Michigan. We just had our first tough opponent, um, and nobody's becoming that. And not only that is I don't see any of these wide receivers creating separation, which is why you have your tight end getting seven catches for 72 yards. Separation is very, very key. Getting open is very, very key. That's what makes 
good athlete. That's what turns you know your good wide receivers into great wide receivers. That's what Ohio State does extremely well with their wide receivers. Are they more athletic and, and better wide receivers? Yeah, but what they do is they get these guys open constantly. They yep. make it easy. They make them all Cooper Cups. Get them open. How is he that wide open? Why aren't we double? We knew he was going to get the ball. How is he still getting the ball? That's what we don't have right now at Michigan. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's the wide receivers not being comfortable improvising. You know what I mean? Like, just get open. Right. But nobody's getting open where all of these, if you're going to keep these 50-50 balls happening, um, throwing the ball in traffic, J.J. will make that mistake. And it, whether it's his or not, it will happen. It It's bound, in, it's bound to happen. It will. I, I want to see somebody emerge. I want to see a wide receiver Say, this is my team. I am wide receiver one. Love you guys, but I'm the guy now. You know, I need that. I, I, you know, you, you say you, you haven't seen it. I think Roman Wilson is that guy. He's got the length. He's got the hands. But has he been just? Yep, I know Roman's going to be there. Da 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 da. Definitely a big player. No, I mean, the last game. No, Roman really wasn't there. Where was AJ Henning? I didn't even. I didn't even think he dressed, to be completely yeah, I honest him, with you. I remember seeing one play that he was in, I think. Because, I don't know, was it maybe third quarter? I'm like, oh, he is playing. Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, where has he been? Where has yeah. one or two jet sweeps been with either of those yeah. guys? So, so you brought up Roman Wilson, you think, has the ability to be that wide receiver one. Do you think what we're dealing with with these wide receivers is everyone thinks it needs to be Ronnie Bell? That he's getting the the number one routes, the number one op opportunities, while you have a guy like Roman Wilson who's like, no, I should be the one where if we swapped him and make Ronnie Bell the the secondary guy, maybe that would benefit him more, and maybe Roman Wilson would benefit being the number one guy. Like, am I, do you think that's a possibility? That it's just there's they're taking a backseat to the veteran of, of Ronnie Bell? Hmm. You're saying everyone, as in like the the coaching staff. I'm saying the coaching staff and the the wide receiving the wide receivers in the room, where I mean you have the the big playability with Roman Wilson. I think there's no question about that. When we're going way downfield, we're setting him up for success. But like the short routes, the going up the middle, who's doing that? Nobody. Right. It seems to be it's always it's it's usually Ronnie Bell in in the middle trying to do it, but we're not getting him the ball either. So like that's where I'm just trying to figure out. Who's going to be the one to to get dirty? You know what I, I mean. Not just run the route and oh, I wasn't open here, or this was my window, and have that very split second of where they're supposed to get the ball and play a little more, you know, street football and getting open, taking the middle where it's available. I don't know. I I'm think just kind of spitballing. I here. think your their the answer you're looking for because that was kind of a loaded question. I think the answer you're looking for is going to come through play calling eventually, because what we saw. During Maryland, are are you guys kidding me? Like, please tell me you saw the same thing. The most inconsistent play calling I have seen all year, easily. I mean, it was bizarre what was going on. It, it seemed odd. I mean, you had the 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 end around with Ronnie Bell that looked like oh. he was going to throw, and it was like that that set them back. Um, obviously, with, we, with, we were with the runs and we, passes and the well, packages we had out there were just. I think we also strange. need to put into perspective. How many times? I think there was three times that they knocked the top off wide open player that JJ overthrew him, and I think that if you connect on two of those, it's a completely different football game. 
And I think I, I agree. Th- the play was there, and he was just missing him. I don't know. So I, I don't want to. Uh, if you saw something with the play calling that that frustrated you, I I can't tell you you were wrong. I personally didn't notice it, um, but I've also been the one to admit that I I don't really dig into the that that side of it that much. So no, I I, I don't necessarily dig into it. It just felt weird and off. It, I don't know. The play calling was just goofy. So yeah. that's all I got. What do you got, John? Oh, I was forced to watch most of it on GameCast on my phone. Oh, I, was, really? I was in a golf outing on Saturday, oh, so right. hard to catch have that. You, have you ever game. looked at like Big Ten in 60 so you can watch the whole game in 60 minutes? Oh, I couldn't do that. Well, I mean, afterwards. Yeah, so it's after, like, oh, it's like after the, oh, yeah, like after quick. the fact. Oh, I love yeah. that. I, I mean, sir, like a half dozen commercials, maybe. Yeah. Like I think they do one per quarter or something like that, maybe. I don't know. Okay. It's pretty sweet. I'll look into it. I took a nap after golf. I was yeah. tired. It's hard, <laughs> yeah. winning, hard winning money. Yeah, you know? sleeping with a trophy <laughs> and stuff, right? Um, so there, there was a defensive side that we got to talk about. Obviously, I think that was enough uh, of the offensive side. But um, we went into this game knowing that Maryland's offense would be Michigan's first test defensively. And the numbers do not look that bad by any means, in my opinion. Um, but the eye test was concerning. Thank um, you. They did record Perfect. three sacks. Uh, but outside of those three, it didn't feel like they were making it tough on Tagovaila, um, which is a concern. They weren't getting that pressure. They weren't making it difficult. Right. And and I talked about that with with Minnesota against Michigan State. Minnesota made it look very very easy when it was going right for Minnesota or for Maryland. It looked easy, and that's where I'm concerned because we're not getting the pressure. I, we know we what we lost with with the ends. Um, who's going to emerge to be that game wrecker? Keep that's it, what I'm not seeing yet. Keep in mind what type of QB and offense they're running though with uh, Tagovailoa or Tungavailoa. Sorry. Yeah. It, it it was almost RPO every other play or every play. They, so they had to contain the running back and the QB at the same time and keep those wide receivers on the edges there. But don't you think what, what Maryland runs is a poor man's Ohio State offense? Um, or is it a little more run-heavy than, than Ohio State with, with the quarterback? Because it seems very similar it, to me. It, it seems very JT Barrett. Ohio okay. State. Okay, a little different than with okay, Stroud. So I, I think it's different than Stroud. I think it's different than um, who did we have recently in the past? Fields. Yep. So, well, I guess Fields is more run PO. Maybe he's more like more pass first a little bit. But I, I, I uh, Haskins. Haskins. Yeah, yeah. when yeah, they're running, running the ball Thank heavy you. with like J.K. Dobbins and those guys. Yeah. There. So I, you know, I, I think there was, you know, a sense of not letting too much happened through the middle of the field with the run game, whether it was Tonga Vailoa or uh, was it Hemby? Mm-hmm. And and then also still keeping, you know, your your DBs in check with their wideouts because if they get behind you, and, I mean, Tonga Vailoa, he still has got an arm. Yeah, he he'll, he'll put it downfield. And so that, that was – it was a really good test for the defense. And it, it – like, like you said, the eye test, it was – you know, when we were watching the game, I'm like, oh, man, I – Defense is making me feel a little uneasy. And then when you look at the numbers, you go, yeah, maybe it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, so. But I don't know. So the quarterback, I'm not going to try to say his name. He was only 20 of 30 for 207 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, but Roman Hemby, I think, was my biggest concern heading into this game. They held him for uh, 48 yards on 16 carries. So it's not like they were putting up these crazy numbers, but like when it mattered most, it seemed like they were getting first downs after first down yeah. after first down. Yep. Without the turnovers, you had. Uh, 
I think two so two interceptions, one fumble. Man, like it, it this is the way a Big Ten game should be. This close, you have these what ifs and, and all of that. I get that. But man, like I I didn't expect it. And the red flags that I think we've wondered if Michigan has in the, in their poor start to the or poor, you know, poor man's three three terrible teams type thing like for this being our first taste of a test and in my opinion not the biggest test yeah i'm a little unnerved right now so on on when you start looking at you know michigan state's offense can change things and, and could could get productive against his defense penn state scares the living crap out of me right now with the way they're playing oh yeah, yeah. obviously ohio state now do i think we're gonna lose all three of those games because of it no i don't and I think we need to put into perspective of what we expect Michigan to be. I don't expect going back to the playoffs. I expect to lose to Ohio State. Um, I expected to lose two games for the most part. That's kind of our our, sure. our prediction. Um, that's all still there. Like I, I'm not like it's not all hitting the fan. You know what I mean? But we need to start seeing somebody on the defensive side become a game wrecker because that's what I think we had last year that turned those 50-50 games into wins. If we play the way we did against Maryland, against Penn State or Ohio State, we have I, I don't think we have a shot. Now we need to figure that out. We have time, which is great. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not I'm not over I'm not trying to overreact. I just think the red f- there are more red flags now based on this being our first oh, test yeah. and it not going well. Oh yeah. In my opinion. So I, I want to bring up my biggest concern. If you have yeah, one, yeah, then yeah. then great. If you don't, then fine. Um, but the the fourth down efficiency for our defense, so they they went for three for three. So it, it's a it's a mild concern that Maryland was able to go a hundred percent on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Now, if I see that can you know consistently through the rest of the season. You know what's going to happen during Ohio State? They will never, ever, ever punt the ball, punt the ball. Yep. and they will get they will go, you know, nine of ten or however you want to you go for your your conversion chart there. But it's that is that could be a major concern for me personally. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's defense is not did not scare me heading into this game, and I thought they did a pretty darn good job outside of what Quorum did with 240-whatever rushing yards. Yeah. And that is that is a big concern for me, um, but defensively, like, that as well is just – I'm not feeling too good about what, what we saw last week. And we survived it. If you can learn something and win, yep. that's the ultimate goal. Right, exactly. That is what we want. That's what we did last year. That's how we turned, you know, a, a few one-possession games what into if we went out? a playoff berth. Yeah, exactly. Right, I said that. Like, hey. yeah, that was a very unpopular <laughs> take that got a lot of people mad. Yeah. But I'm um, not going to revisit that yet. <laughs> but I mean, it was just it, it. If you didn't have red flags, now you do, and you're heading into Iowa, a tough place to play. I'm not worried about their offense, but <laughs> their defense a desperate is off, uh, offense that doesn't have a game plan are sometimes the most deadly because they just throw everything at you and can surprise the heck out of you. Now, they, they may just open up the whole damn playbook. Exactly. They're going to go absolutely nuts and have 
they're just they have nothing to lose. And no. that's a scary thing when you are also going against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the Big Ten. This is I mean it's I mean I I know Minnesota technically is the best defense in, in college football, but I think what Iowa does is they 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 change the yeah. game. Oh, they're yeah. game changing defense, not just good defense. You know what I mean? Where they're gonna bring it back like get a pick six, get a fumble six. And based on what we saw with JJ, man, this is a big, big test for him. And he better be ready because it can go south quick in this place. I, and I think it, I heard the stat that we haven't won there since what, two thousand eleven or something like that? Is that is that true? It may be even before that. Yeah. To to be honest, I, I I hope that not one player on this team has that game in their mind from last year, that Big Ten championship. You better flush that crap right now. Yep. This is a whole different ball game. Going into Kinnick Stadium, like you said, it is never easy for anybody. Yeah. Get it out of your system. Get ready to play some real to play. boy one, football. One thing that I like about the way that Michigan's schedule is lining up is so you got Iowa this week. I mean, you survived Maryland. You got Iowa this week. You're not looking ahead to anybody because you have Indiana the no. following week. Right. That that's just that's they're the worst team in, in the Big Ten potentially. So you're not you don't have that look ahead game. So then you have Indiana, and then you have Penn State, the big one. If Penn State was next yeah. week, I'd be right. a little more nervous about oh, this yeah. week. And yep. that you know what I mean because that's what when Iowa seems to get us is when we have Ohio State or Michigan State or somebody the next week that's worth a dang. Right now, I, I don't think Indiana's that. I think you can focus on this game. You can go into next week. You take care of business, but you can keep that your eye on Penn State. Be right. prepared for that one. You get the bye. You got Michigan State. I think it's lined up pretty well. Yeah, I agree. That Penn State game, look out. That is a going to be a tough, tough game. The way Penn State plays. Now, you go back a couple weeks, I think Penn State's one of the biggest frauds in football. Oh yeah, but they've seemed to figure something out. Oh yeah, they've they survived it, and now they're they've got they're moving forward. Now James Franklin, I don't really trust as a good coach, but we'll get into all that later. But I mean, for sure. Uh, I mean, we're just cruising, baby. Cruising. Let's do it. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. All right, dude, we are sitting. Actually, we should probably just move on to picks, right? I was going to see if you guys had a flight topic. Do you have a, a random flight topic you want to do? Um, I can jump back to flight if you want. It's not really a flight topic, but today my parents are celebrating 42 years of wedded bliss, Whoa. love, and marriage. Good for them. 42. That's 40, awesome. 42 years. Man, congrats yeah. to them. 1980. The is kicking it. Yeah, they're not on social media. They're not watching Facebook Live. But Do they know where you are right now? Yeah. Do they know about the podcast? Oh, yeah. Does your dad listen to the podcast? No. What? No, he's not into the sports. He's not into sports? No. He's a Tigers fan, so he's like super depressed right now, so yeah. he won't tune into anything. I can get that. No. <laughs> when your dad's on long, long car drives with my coworkers, my coworkers will come back like a week later cuz usually the you know, the car rides like a week That's trip, his, right? Yeah, yeah. My coworkers will go yeah, I had to listen to you on the way up to like hoeing for like eight <laughs> hours. I'm like, 
Lucky you. He, he catches up on all the podcasts <laughs> like it's like does. breaking news when he's he listening does. to like Lions pre <laughs> like preseason preview because <laughs> he's uh, six episodes behind or something. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, kudos to anyone that listens. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, you can listen whenever you want. I don't care. Whenever. But we're going to get into our betting hero picks of the week. Before we do, I did want to just explain what betting hero is. You got bettinghero.com. If you're interested at all in sports betting, all you got to do is go to bettinghero.com. Put in promo code MIBET. Say you live in the state of Michigan. What they're going to do is going to lay out all of the best promotions available. So, like, let's say it's BetMGM has a free $1,000 bet. Sign up. Promo code. Boom, boom, boom. You got all that. Next week, you want to sign up again, you go to uh, FanDuel. They have Dinger Tuesday, which I love Dinger Tuesday. Um, But then they have... uh, $250 $250 deposit match. You take advantage of that one, too. Just the way to go. Oh, it's all there. Be on the lookout for big fights, playoff games. Yep. Uh, man, they, they have everything going. Lots of money flying around. Get to it. They want your free money so that... And if you're smart and, and you know... If you're smart. If you're, if you're smart and <laughs> are disciplined... Take advantage of all this free money that these betting sites are giving out. 100%. Because it's out there. And don't take my picks. No, don't take John's <laughs> don't picks. Don't take my picks. So that's what we're at as we are in our picks of the week. Uh, last week, Mike went 5-3. and three. Ryan went 3-5. and five. I went 3-5. and five. John went 3-5. and five. Kyle went 2-6. and six. Micah, you are leading away at 20-13 overall. Solid numbers right there. Ryan, 18-15. and 15. Um, I'm right behind at 16-17. and 17. Um, and Kyle is at 16, 17, and John, you're bringing up the rear at 15 and 18, but you are right there. Things can yes, change quickly. we got a long ways to go. John, I have an advice for you. Make your picks, not your picks, based on everybody else's. Yeah, I, I'm glad you left the sheet empty this week. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> trust- I, I, wrote, I wrote them down over here. I'm so. trusting my gut, but I'm going to guess that everybody's going to pick the same as me, so I'm not going to make up any ground this week. So. <laughs> that, don't worry about making up ground. If you can find those one or two, you'll, you'll figure it out. But we're... Look, Thursday, not an intriguing matchup to me, so we're going to skip Thursday's game. We're going to stick to NFL. I got three NFL games that were intriguing to me. The first one, Bills at the Ravens. Ravens plus three and a half. Uh, Kyle's taking the Bills. Ryan's taking the Ravens. Micah, what are you doing? Um, I'm going to go with the Bills. Bills? Um, they, Coming they, off the loss. Yeah, they, they fell short this last week. Um, I think that Lamar Jackson is very, very talented. He's just a one-man show, and I think the Bills, you know, collectively, I think they're going to overpower the Ravens. And I, I, my brain says yes, Bills will win this game. They'll probably win by a lot. But in sports betting, sometimes you go away from your brain and you go after the math. A home underdog getting three and a half, you take that. If I bet on it, I might not, but. For this, I'm going to take the Ravens just because that's what that's what it's that's what you're supposed to do in this situation. So I'm taking Ravens. John, what are you doing? Ravens. Ravens. Not because of the Bills' loss or the home underdog points. I'm just going to go Ravens. All right. Ravens. Another intriguing matchup. We got the Chiefs coming off the loss. The Bucks coming off the loss. Bucks. Bucks. A three-point underdog at home. Kyle's taking the Chiefs. Ryan's taking the Chiefs. Micah, what are you doing? Chiefs. I think something funky is going on with Tampa. It's not the hurricane, right? <laughs> That's hitting Tampa Bay right now? So they, la- they had to leave t- 
Tampa. They went to Miami, I think, yeah. to, to do practices and stuff. Yeah. Those games still should be in Tampa. I'm going to go to the Bucks. Look, I agree. Something's not right with Tom Brady. Something's not right with the offense. Something's not right with the Bucks in general. But that's a freaking good defense. Home team getting points. That's where I'm going to continue to go. I might take the Chiefs when I spend my money. But for the picks, I'm taking the Bucks. John. Chiefs. All right. That might be my chance or I'm a loser. So, <laughs> Last NFL game, you got the Seahawks at the Lions. It opened as a seven-point favorite for the Lions. But then, Gino, oh. but then Gino Smith went ham on, what was that, Sunday afternoon? Yeah. Was so they it? had to knock that down. So I don't now know. They which are, which day? Now, I think the injuries are, are really what's changing the spread. Lions now a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Kyle and Ryan are both taking the Lions. Michael, what are you doing? I'm going to go Lions. I'm going Lions as well. I think this is their opportunity to mm. win by double digits. You, I think they're going to do it. I think they're a, too good of a football team to host Seattle, a bad football team, and and lose. Let alone, I, I think this. I think this could be the first blowout that the Lions have seen I, in a long time. I think being at home is huge. I, I know you. I know you have some injuries, but you've got to figure out a way to get past the Seahawks. Got to do it. Have to. Yeah, this could be a big, like, um, non-division but NFC conference win on the resume. Not not saying that Seattle's got, like, a strength of schedule or they're going to finish anywhere in c- contention, but you got to get these ones. Uh, I'm also going to go Lions. And yeah, it, uh, Jeff Okuda's going to shut down DK Metcalf. Let's yeah. go. I just, I just think the Lions know that they're desperate. It's not desperate. It's not must win by any means. But it certainly feels like it. You know what I mean? In a sense. Where I mean they feel like they let one get away and I think they're just I, I, I think they're I think they're better well, than average. Oh. I think they're close to a good football team. So I, I think the Vikings are a better team than what I was anticipating. And the Lions were right there. Better, I, better I, than them. I, I watched the last three minutes and I turned it off at like you know, when you guys Gave the ball away, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, you know, game over. I, 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 I expect you guys to beat the Seahawks. It reminds me a lot of the game against the Commanders where should we bet the Lions to win by a lot? No, they were actually the underdogs once the game finally started. But knowing what we know, knowing the way that this team's coached, it, I expect them to win by a lot. And I should never expect the Lions to win by a lot because I'm just... Just, no, just win, though. That's my pick. Just win. <laughs> right? Just win, baby. I love that saying. That's what I said to Trav 99 times against <laughs> in that Michigan game. Uh, moving to college, obviously, here we are. John, can you bump that down? Does that seem loud to you guys, or is that just me? I don't oh, know. That's good. Sorry. It's all good. All right. I think that one's a little louder than the draft, is it? the NFL. All right, moving on to some college football. You got number seven, Kentucky, at number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, six-and-a-half-point favorite against number seven team in the country. Kyle's taking Ole Miss. Ryan is taking Kentucky. Micah, you're next. Big blue, Kentucky. Kentucky to cover, or to, to yeah. All right. So you think they're going to win or, or no? Yeah. You don't have to pick a winner, but. Um, I think I'm going to go Kentucky as well. I, I really do. I think seven, seven mm. or six and a half points is a lot. Six and, and a half is a lot. I don't think Ole Miss, they are always – set up to prove something and then not show up. 
Right. Not saying that's what's going to happen, but think what you want about Lane Kiffin. I just I, I don't see him covering that six and a half. To Ole be Miss is either going to lose outright or win by twenty. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so I'm picking them to lose. I guess. John, what are you doing? Let's hope they lose. Kentucky Wildcats. Let's go, baby. John Calipari. Oh, we're talking football. Yeah, All right. <laughs> let's go. It is not basketball season yet, even though Spartan fans probably think it is now. Um, moving on to number 10, NC State, at number 5, Clemson. Clemson survived against Wake Forest. Um, man, that was a, quite the game that screwed me over in the parlay. Um, but Clemson, a 6.5-point favorite. Kyle's taking NC State. Ryan's taking Clemson. Micah, what are you doing here? Clemson bounce back or no? Nope. Wolfpack, baby. They're going to go to Clemson and ruin Dabble's day. I'm surprised Ryan's not picking NC State. Wasn't he that one of his sleeper teams preseason to move up in the top 25? (laughs) They moved up in the top 25. So I think uh, I'm going to go with Ryan on this one. Go Clemson. Let's go. Yeah, I'm going to go Clemson. Because I want Clemson to lose. So if they don't, (laughs) I still win, hopefully. We got three more college games. One. Outside the Big Ten, you got number two, Alabama. At number 20, Arkansas. 16.5-point underdog for Arkansas. Not 16.6. That was a mistake. 16.5, so 16.5 points. Dang. Um, Kyle's taking <laughs> just, need a, just need a safety here. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kyle's taking Alabama. Ryan is taking Arkansas. Micah, who is going to win this game by how much? Bama. Bama's going to smoke Arkansas. They're they're looking to put this team away. Like, I I think this game is going to be one of those like Alabama's going to show the SEC kind of yeah. like who's boss and they're they're going to smash. Yeah, Arkansas. I mean when you saw that spread come out with what I think it was Texas like you know, it was like twenty one and everybody was like oh Alabama's going to win this game by more than that and it's going to happen and they didn't obviously they they thankfully survived right was it was it my or Texas sorry yeah, it was did Texas. I say Texas I said yeah right. you said Texas um. This is the one that Alabama's going to do. What everybody's like, oh yeah, they're they're going to do this. They're going to beat them. They're going to beat them by twenty. They're going to beat them by thirty. They're going to win this game. They're going to win it by a lot. John, what do you think? Well, you said uh, underdog at home. You can't go against it, right? Give I, me. I, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you don't win against. <laughs> Give me Bama. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little different when it comes to college and pro. But all right, moving on to MSU's. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, they're at Maryland, and they're eight-point underdog to the Maryland Terrapins. If you don't, if that doesn't tell you what Vegas thinks of you, MSU, I don't know what will. Kyle's taking MSU. Ryan's taking Maryland. First time he's gone against MSU, I think. Mike, what are you doing for this one? <laughs> I'm gonna go Maryland. I what I saw last week from both teams. I I, I can't go against Maryland at this point. I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. As simple as that. I'm going to go MSU. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they des- they're the better team. I think Maryland is the better team based on what we've seen this year, what we saw last week in particular. But I think Mel Tucker is a good coach, and I don't think there is a chance in hell he can allow his team to not show up again and not – like th- this you, is this you're is a, saying they need a win. They need to show up. Just show up. Show up and win, or show up and lose. I think as long as they show up, people will be okay. I like 
I mean, from the over-under thing, I think yeah. they're going to lose. I, th- okay. I don't think they're nearly as good as Maryland. But eight points is a lot when it comes to this close of a matchup, in my opinion. And I'm not going to let what we saw last week oh, – I'm not going to overreact to what we saw last week with Maryland keeping up with Michigan. I don't think we can overreact from what we've seen from the two weeks that we've seen from Michigan State. And if Mel Tucker is half the coach he's getting paid to be, they will show up and they'll at least keep this game close. I have to take MSU plus eight, but I kind of hope that they lose by 20. (laughs) (laughs) Jahani. Give me the Terps. Maryland. Give me the Terps. Look, it's the smarter pick based on what we've seen. I just don't see how it happens again. That's basically where I'm at. Last game, Michigan at Iowa. Iowa, underdog, 10.5 points. At home. This is a rough pick. At home, Kinnick Stadium, tough place to play. Man, I don't know. Kyle and Michigan, or (laughs) Kyle and Ryan (laughs) both took Michigan. Michael, what are you doing here? Uh, I'm going to do Michigan as well. Yep, it's the slappy pick. I get it. But um, I think... I think the defense of Michigan takes care of Iowa's quite inept offense from yeah. what we've seen. And I think Michigan's offense gets away with just enough to cover that. Yeah. I, ten and a half points is too many. It, it, that's the. It, I think that's the only fair way to say it. It is too many. It's disrespectful for what Kinnick Stadium is. But I'm still going to take Michigan to cover that because Michigan's defense is good enough to hold them to three scores. And I think Michigan's offense is good enough to score 35, even against a good Iowa team. I do yeah. th- like. I don't see how Iowa scores enough to keep it within 10.5 points. And I, it might be a garbage like, touchdown one way or the other that decides this game, who's willing to play till the very end type thing. But I'm going to bet on Michigan because I, because of what we saw last year. In that Big Ten championship, Michigan's offense is better than it was last year. I think they're gonna they they have the recipe to beat an Iowa defense, no matter how good it is. Yeah, and I don't think Iowa as a team is better than their team last year, I'm though. Not, yeah, I'm not sure they can I'm, score. I'm not sure they can score against Michigan's defense, even without the game changers that we've been game wreckers. John, are we right or wrong? Hmm. You're looking at this as an underdog. Uh-huh. Ten and a half is a lot. Like I get what you're thinking I, here. I scribbled. I scribbled my answer out halfway through writing it, and then finished writing it, and then I scribbled the second half out, and then I just rewrote <laughs> my answer. Johnny wants a dub on us. I know, but but Sam told me not to do that this week. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm gonna take Blake Corum to cover that ten and a half points by himself. Yeah. What? And Michigan is Look, my pick. I think it's possible. That is, Holy he's a crap. massive difference. He's he's the equalizer. He's what will turn this really good Iowa defense into mediocre. They did it in the Big Ten Championship. They ran all over them. Yeah, it was the big big plays too early on. Um, but, man, that's what I expect to see happen. Gary just loves the, your explanation there. <laughs> that's, that's good. So. Those are our picks of... The week. 
Michigan's craft beer and Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. Getting into our beer grades. So we're drinking from, we're drinking Fetch Brewing Company, which is in Whitehall, Michigan. Uh, I gave out the address earlier. Um, their hours, their fall hours, uh, 2 to 9 Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, 2 to 10 on Thursday, 12 to 11 on Friday and Saturday, and 12 to 9 on Sunday. If you're in the Whitehall area, drop by because this beer is very good and I would assume underrated because I haven't had any of it. I don't know if they distribute. I don't think they have any cans like that. Um, like Siciliano's or, or those local places. So you got to get the crawlers. You got to, you know, seek them out, which is, I think, a little bit more difficult for these breweries, but totally worth it, in my opinion. Very, very good beers. Remind everybody what we're drinking tonight, my guy. Swagger, that is their double IPA at their 7.8% alcohol and over 100 IBUs in that. Um. That's why I wanted to start with the Jinkies. That was a little easier Lighter. to drink, yeah, right? No, I think that's what we're supposed to do, right? Right. I think that's what Eric taught us. <laughs> right. But we ended on the Swagger just now, and yeah, it makes me feel like I got Swagger. <laughs> at Definitely has more, more bite to 10 it. 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. I'm going to have some Swagger tomorrow morning at work. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. So what would you guys think of these beers? Oh, no. I mean, I, I thought both of them were great for what they are. The lighter beer tasted a little bit better to me. I think it had a little more juice behind it, which I, I really yeah. enjoyed. But I do love the 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 percentage of, of this one because I needed that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just one of, those, one of those weeks for all of us. But We need to find these guys a uh, taproom space down here in GR, right? Yeah, I would love that. And Jared commented and said, stop trying to make fetch work. Um, <laughs> that's from Mean Girls. <laughs> yeah, um, we are trying to make fetch work, and we hope that we can help make fetch work. That's that's our our job here, right? Yeah. So let's start with what we drink first. You guys give it Jinkies. That? Jinkies. It was their lighter one. Their New England so, slash hazy. So at six percent. I wrote down my score right away. Okay. Because I wanted like the true opinion in the moment. Yeah, maybe I'm having a rough start to the week. Maybe I'm just a little on edge and needed this beer that much. Why don't you hold, great. hold your grade for the end here? You guys are gonna go first. Yeah, I All want right. you to hold your grade. Okay. Because I, I don't, I don't want to try and like, com, like <laughs> compete with your grade. All right, all right. I wrote my grades down after the second slug sip of both. <laughs> Uh, I don't like so to go swagger. I don't like to go through uh, you know, uh, right off the bat like Sam. Um I like to get that second opinion. Well, I, I, I think it was yeah. more than my first sip for oh, the record. I, oh, I, I right. was like almost halfway done with my beer before we <laughs> Sam were just, done introducing he, it. He downed the whole thing, you know, one swaller. Uh Jinkies, the hazy, eight point three. Ooh, and it might really be a little bit higher than that. Really? After yeah. after drinking uh the swagger. But 8.3. All right. Okay. what I wrote down. Michael, what were you? Jinkies, I'm going 7.9. Okay. Am I allowed to give my score yet, Michael? Absolutely. Yeah, just, yeah, just go. He thinks he's no, in control here. No. no. 9.84. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a high score for Sam. It is. Holy moly. That's a good beer. I want to try it again. One. I might have to run out there and, and maybe drink one during the Michigan game on Sheesh. Saturday because. Yeah, that's a good one. 
I don't know. Environment makes a difference, and this environment needed a good beer. That was very good beer. Moving on to our 7.8% swagger. Am I allowed to give my grade right away, or is this another one of those no, you, micro rules you, thing? No, you can go. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, so, I'm gonna go ahead, Sam. All right, I, I, very good beer. Seven six. <laughs> Serious? Is that too low? Holy crap! That is low. Okay, no, that's that's all you. I don't need to compete with that. I don't know. I just needed the lighter side. I think that's what I needed. The today. lighter side of things. The crispier beer, rice crispy treat beer. You know, I, I should have one of those. I had swagger at it in eight five. That's, I mean, I I freaking love that beer. That's a yeah. great beer. Oh yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I I, I bet you I'm wrong. I I, I, I just love that it, it's a it's a double. And it and it easy it's to drink though too. So easy to drink. It's way easier than a lot of doubles we've tried in the past. And we've tried a ton of beer on this show. Drinking at least I, that is so easy to drink. It's seven point eight. It's not like a nine or a ten where you're like, oh boy, I re- you know I really feel it like an hour later. Like, yeah, like double hutch. <laughs> State of my PA. That's a darn good beer. Eight five. It is a good beer all day, John. You somewhere in the middle here or what? I am. Well, closer to me. To Sam. Seven seven. Seven seven. Yeah. I still think it's a good beer. The more I drink of it, the better it gets, I feel I like. I agree with that. Um that first sip it was just like, Oh, this one is what do the kids say these days? That slaps. That slaps. Is that what they say? Yeah, that slaps. That yeah. Slaps. I'm that trying slaps. to make that slaps happen, John. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, it's it's a good it's a solid good beer, and I could see where this one would get a little dangerous on a w- weekend afternoon. I think I need to try it again some point in a different environment and see what I think because I I could see myself going higher than seven six, but I'm gonna roll with a seven six, and it's my grade. I'm sticking to it. You can't tell me what to do. All right, Heck yeah, heck yeah. Is that all right with you? We got any other grades out there? All right. No. So, <laughs> really quick oh. though. So we did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, one I last thing about um, Fetch. So they're a husband and wife duo that own it. Dan is the brewer and Jen runs the business. Uh, they have no food at the tap house, but they are food friendly. So you can bring your food in, have a great time, enjoy their beer, hang out with friends, make memories. Um, they're actually in an old bank, and you can even go into like the old safe and check it out too. Seriously? So that that sounds like something kind of cool. Maybe we could like podcast from in the safe or something. That'd be kind of cool. That would be sweet. They did not reply to my Instagram message yesterday, for the record. So maybe they're on vacation. They might not be on like the the the, the social medias. Yeah, maybe. As much. I was hoping to get a response though. I asked them yeah. what color label they wanted to do because I didn't know what the crawlers looked like. So I saw the the so the people that are watching. You got the green one, right? What do you call that green? Olive. Like olive. Olive green. Olive. Um, but olive. obviously the cans here are blue. I was like, hey, which one is your more up-to-date one so we can use it? I went with green. Obviously blue is, is was the right choice. And again, I screwed up. Go blue. Go blue. Love it. Their, their labels do remind me. What was what was your comment when we saw it the first time? It reminded you of oh. Lost Art and... Lost Art and Ludington. Ludington. And I said it reminded me of Lost Art and like it come in Austin Brothers. Austin Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, oh, great, great labels. Great labels. Hopefully, we can come out there. I, I do want to go out there and uh, record in the safe. That's what I want to do. That'd be cool, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, Jarrett's got a grade. Oh, what is Jarrett drinking? Eight three. Do you guys remember what he was drinking? Oh, tequila and coke. 
<laughs> Wait, tequila and Coke? Wait, what? Is that a thing? No. If he's all right, he, he said if you've never tried it, do it. His mom introduced it to me, and I like it. Bringing in the hurricane with the hard stuff. Woof. Man, tequila and Coke. He's sitting on the back screen porch watching the storms roll in while watching us. Shout out for watching, well, man. Thank you, Jarrett. Down in Tampa, is that, is that Coca-Cola or like are we talking a different type of Coke? Well, oh, like booger sugar? <laughs> he, <laughs> Coke, yeah. that makes more sense. <laughs> I guess the closer you get to Miami, <laughs> the probability of that goes up. But isn't he in Orlando Zing. now, right? I, I think back? he's in Orlando now, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's not in Tampa Well, anymore. hopefully uh, hopefully all is well, Jarrett. I don't know. Is that storm heading your way? Man, yeah. I mean, so it sounds like it's going to hit Tampa. Tampa I, and then I, go kind of straight north, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it sounds like it might kind of crud across into the other side and then maybe hit, like, Carolinas maybe. Wow. Oof. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. Ian, he said lines of Coke. Yeah, not Coke. Oh. Sorry, our bad. So he does, like... Wow. So, all right, yeah. That makes sense. So Carrie did say she had a, a grade. Oh, there it is right there. She said it's a good cider, not too sweet, so I like it, which is an 8.1. We should do a cider episode here soon. We should go to, like, Dunabacks and do some cider or something. There's a lot of Michigan ciders we can do. There are. I don't know why we never do them. Tis the time of year, baby. It is. It is the time of year. It is also the time of the show that I hit the outro. Let's go. And I thank you guys. Good luck, Jarrett. Batting down the hatches. Yeah. And um Peace be with you. If if <laughs> if you need if you need help, I'm sure you'll you still got that Tampa Bay flag you can wave around, right? <laughs> You've been listening Talk to you next week, even not sooner. My sports. Peace. From the Red Wings to the Lions, to the Tigers to the Pistons, to Michigan and Michigan State, and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.